0: Introducing Minor Wisdom, Quintet!
1: One, two, as kiddo
0: do Minor Wisdom!
1: So this week on the podcast, I've got Mr. Philip Taylor on. Uh, everything that man touches turns to gold. He was in Fort Bend ISD, now he's in Austin ISD. He will give you a quick rundown of his resume. He's got a lot more things that he wants to add to it. And he will be on this podcast yet again. Very wise man beyond his years, being that he's only, um, I think he's only like 18, 19 years old. So really, really wise man, smart man, and you guys will hear that interview. We do this out of Freebirds. It's really good. I, I, I love me some Freebirds. I know it's not what it used to be, but that that is another day. I do not want to digress too much. But uh, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Google. Uh, Spotify even has it now. It's It'll get there. I think it's one of those delayed searches on Spotify. But I'll make sure that happens. You can also go on Podbean. Make sure that you are following me on Twitter at Miner, shoot me an email, blake.miner at gmail.com. Uh, it's just um, one of those things I'd love to hear from you, love to hear from who you would like to hear. Next week we will have another special guest. Obviously, this has clearly turned into an interview podcast, which is not a complaint. That's exactly what I want it to be. Here's a little something from the wonderful Avalyn.
0: Miner Wisdom, Bubba Miner Miner. If you never try passing the leader, you will always be a follower.
1: Guys, I hope you enjoy this interview. It's always so much fun getting to talk to Philip Taylor. Again, a man beyond his years, wisdom wise. Uh, That's about it. But, you know, he's super wise, great with education, maybe the most passionate educator in the state of Texas, I do dare say, but the man is uh, full of wisdom. And this podcast could easily be called Philip's Wisdom or Taylor's Tales or something like that, but it's not. It's called Minor Wisdom. Enjoy this interview. It's an outdoor interview. It was fun. We got a lot of sun, and I apologize for hearing me chew. Enjoy, Mr. Philip Taylor.
0: I grew up in Gatesville, Texas, and uh, which was at the time a small town, and um, a very you know, athletic-centered community that has since evolved quite tremendously and known for academics and and other things. So, grew up in that town, it was like a 3A sized town, you know, 180 kids in every graduating class, played football, basketball, track, tennis, and did one-act play. So, um, you know, I was in all four years of one-act play, That I kind of didn't think that was my path, uh, but some school events kind of pushed me towards pursuing performance or community or communications or radio, television, and film. And so um, I went to the University of Texas, got my undergraduate degree in radio, television, and film, directing and producing, all the while uh, auditioning and performing in a few shows uh, with the theater department at UT. And then I was fortunate enough to work at UIL as an intern uh, under Luis Munoz. And uh, it was the last year of undergrad that I realized I wanted to teach theater. So I applied for probably 10 jobs. Most of them were speech jobs because I was heavily involved in the speech department in my high school. I was a state champion in UIL (laughs) pros. I went to state a couple of times in those events. So most of them were speech jobs, and I think two were speech and theater. Well, I only got the interview for one job, (laughs) and it was a speech-slash-theater position. So I I took the job at Livingston High School, and I was there for a year and thought, since I'm doing theater, I'm going to get a master's degree in it. So that's when I enrolled at the University of Houston Summer MA Program. I think I was the youngest, or maybe still is the youngest. I don't know. So I enrolled in that program because I wanted to be the best if I was going to teach theater. I wanted to to be a content expert. Uh, So I got my M.A. from University of Houston, and then I was contacted by Rogers ISD. Uh, Their dynamic theater department was led by Josh and Abby Harriman at the time, and before that, Scott Tipton, and before that, Tal Lestraco, and I had a connection to Tal Lestraco from summer theater camps years and years ago. And I should also mention that, that you know my, my high school theater teacher, Carla Donaldson, uh, was my greatest inspiration into moving into education, and now we're friends, the best of friends. So I worked at Rogers for five years as a classroom teacher, and I taught high school and middle school theater. I started the middle school theater department there, and shortly thereafter, uh, I decided to get my principal certification. And... I got that and moved to Fort Bend ISD, where I became the coordinator for theater and dance for the 11 high schools and 14 middle schools at the time, uh, and then promoted to the assistant director of fine arts for the district the past year and a half, and now I am in Austin ISD as the administrative supervisor of fine arts, overseeing band, orchestra, theater, dance, mariachi, and guitar. For 130 campuses, and I am a doctoral student with the University of Houston, so I'm pursuing that degree as well.
1: You always want to be the best, yes?
0: Is that what drives you? So, if I'm going to do not in in an egotistical way, yeah. If you're going to do something, why not be the best at it? Why not develop your craft right as much as possible and get additional development in that area? If I'm going to be a leader for a district. I'm going to continue taking leadership courses, lead by example, too. Yeah, and, and constantly challenge myself to grow, because if I'm not challenged, if I'm not growing, I'm going to bail, I'm going to move on right. to something else. And that's Deal. what ultimately happened in the classroom. I, I had done all I wanted to do with one- act play. You know at the time, I thought, I want to beat the, the record for going to state, you know, four out of five years of teaching, or four out of six years. Of teaching I had gone to state so I thought I could I could be the next Larry Wisdom right but then I you know I'd won a state championship which I was very very proud of and then we kind of wrote a play and adapted a play I thought that's the next step if I could take one of those plays to state and become successful then I don't know what's next <laughs> and so we were we were successful and that sort of propelled me to to, to move on and right. do something else my career so
1: so fear might be the wrong word but is it is it a fear of getting stale yeah kind of
0: yeah i don't i don't like my life to be boring yeah um unpredictable i like to be challenged i want to strive for something more but not in an exhausting way right like what's next for philip taylor nah so i don't need that i i just i like to my my lens is wider, and my net is wider. My perspective is much wider as I move higher up in administration.
1: So, being that you're only 22, yeah, and 23, and 23. Gonna, 23, and gonna, you, you, gonna, going and you're gonna uh, fix into you, 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 you anticipate the PhD. What in a year and a half? Is that what you said? Or did yeah, you May 2020. May 2020. Okay, so a year. Are you in 10 years? Are you gonna try and go back and get
0: another one? No, oh, I think I'm going to probably continue like, studying uh, like social-emotional learning. Yeah. Uh, that's a big push in Austin ISD. We talk about school safety all the time, but it really starts with mental health and yeah. mental safety. I believe in that. And I think if we can start educating our students and in really incorporating social-emotional learning in our schools statewide, I think that Nationwide. we'll see a change nationwide.
1: Yeah. You said that it wasn't until your last year of college that you decided to be an educator. What what
0: switched? So I was working the state meet and um, they, they are very long days. I sat in every rehearsal and then you know, ten hours later that first school that was rehearsing is back on stage and I got to watch that process. And we would sleep four hours a night between yeah. contests. And I said, "Why do I? Why am I doing this? Why do I put myself through this for three days in a row?" I just loved it. I fell in love with it. And my high school theater teacher said, "You know, you're going to be a theater teacher someday." And I kept saying, "No, I'm not." I didn't. I didn't look down on it. Yeah. I, it just wasn't a passion that of mine that I realized. But I was so addicted. I was so addicted. I remember going to State my freshman year and watching UIL one-act play. I actually fell asleep. But then once I was cast in a lead role, I fell in love with it. And so I was driving to contests as a sophomore to go watch plays because I realized, you know, there was a passion sort of developing in me that I didn't actually realize until that last year in college. And I decided alternative certification, get in the classroom immediately film school, forget it. Don't go out to LA. Mm -hmm. You love Texas. You love Texas theater. That's good.
1: Um, I didn't know that about about you with the switch. Um, Enough with the boring stuff. (laughs) What would you rather see when walking into a classroom if you could only choose one? Would you rather see a director or a teacher? And is there a difference?
0: Huge difference as an administrator, right? So I'm an instructional leader now, I, when I walk into a classroom, I want to see a teacher. And there can be some great teachers out there for theater that are not very good as directors. Um, or there are great directors out there that are not very good classroom teachers. And they know it. They know it. Um, I don't want to share any names that would no. actually yeah, do that. you know, agree, but you know, a good example of someone that's actually good at both would be, you know, Jennifer Minor and Megan Wallace. <laughs> yeah. They are brilliant at both. They're great classroom teachers. And I can go on and on. Those are just middle school, middle school teachers, former high school teacher and Jennifer, but I would rather see a classroom teacher in the classroom. Uh, and there's a massive difference because there's more differentiation in a classroom than there is in rehearsal. Your expectations in rehearsal are top notch, high level. That's like saying, that's like taking the football coach and saying, is there a difference between your PE class and your varsity football team? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My expectations are different. My differentiation is there in PE. I know the limitations of these students that are non-athletes versus those that want to be the elite artists of their campus, or athletes of their campus.
1: So then, when you do walk in, and you see a director instead of a teacher, what's what's one of the first things? And I know this can change per teacher.
0: Sure.
1: Based on just their skill set, what's one of the first things you try to target to try to get them to start thinking about the classroom, the teaching, the differentiation, even the management skills? Yeah. So skills? I,
0: I know I have a director in the classroom.
1: If If you can't find the teacher.
0: Yeah, that too. <laughs> if they're... So, planning is essential. So, uh, directors usually respond to situations and offer feedback. And, right? So, they they let their students work and they give them feedback. They set new goals in that process. That doesn't work for the non-artist. They need clear expectations up front. They need a rubric... Uh, They need to know what the teacher is asking of them in a classroom because they're not all going to tap into their creative side initially, those students. So, the difference between a director and a teacher is that there's usually better planning for all levels of students. So, I will target that for those director teachers. I will meet with them and say, Let's look at your lesson plans because you're brilliant. You're brilliant at giving feedback and adjusting on the fly, as directors do. But you have to have proper planning in place, and that's what those be- the best classroom teachers have. They have great planning in place and strategies, different strategies already built into their lesson for the day. And they're not going to have to adjust on the fly, which is a good, you know, a good teacher will do that if they right. have to. They'll be flexible.
1: Um, do you find that there's more of a director in a good teacher or more of a teacher in a good director?
0: It's a, it's a tricky one. Because di- good directors have to be good teachers in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Right? In the rehearsal process. Um, but I f- usually find... It doesn't translate to the classroom, though. I f- usually sometimes. find that good teachers can be good directors. Right. That's an easier transition. Right. Right? Because they just need to raise their expectations and just use the the higher rigor when they move into the rehearsal process and not the everyone gets a 95 mentality so it's easier to transition and push those great classroom teachers into becoming great directors than it is to take great directors and turn them into great teachers
1: are there classroom characteristics of a director or teacher uh, that need improvement across the board
0: so they're characteristics that need improvement for teachers or directors. Just, yeah. Yeah, so, again, I think it's just reinforcing the idea of good planning for teaching in the classroom. You know, I've seen people go 120 miles per hour for 30 minutes, and they have 20 minutes of wasted time. So if they haven't planned that out, or they're going 100, giving 120% for half the class period, you know, stretching that out to really fill the time, because that's an expectation of the campus principal. Like, you may have an objective to get this done, and they do it in 30 minutes, and you have nothing else for them to do. So proper planning to make sure that uh, all that time is being maximized and allow for the process to happen. So planning for teachers and having some sense of curriculum. I think most teachers, and you'll see it, you'll see it on Facebook. What are you guys doing in January? What do you all do during one-act play season? And I'm going, you don't have a curriculum? You don't have a scope and sequence? plot out your year. So even if you don't have specific lesson plans, you should at least have a scope and sequence. So they need planning for teachers and some form of curriculum. Now for directors. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The biggest issue or some characteristics I see of directors is their feedback process right so they can't identify what's missing from a production or from a rehearsal and they're not giving specific feedback to move kids along the progression where they need to be right so we'll see i'll see directors misdiagnose something right students perform and this is a poor example but you know step into the light so i can hear you i don't know if they're going to speak any louder but actually saying drop your jaw use your diaphragm and push air out using your diaphragm so I can hear you I think that's a little more specific right giving kids feedback before they re-perform a scene and setting goals that's missing from directors not setting clear goals saying things like do it again okay that wasn't good guys do it again come on guys you know better than that do it again no they don't you need to tell them what's missing or what was extra i think the same could be transferred to the classroom but particularly for directors they are not very specific in their feedback and then they are shocked when when people don't get their story or the judge didn't see this you maybe had the discussion but i don't think you gave your kids clear feedback to move them And sometimes it's basic, like hold this moment for three more seconds, even though that may seem inauthentic. Sometimes you have to coach your kids on that kind of stuff. And so just saying, I don't believe this moment and saying that 10 times to your kids and nothing changes, they're not going to change. So tell them, maybe if you just extended the eye contact for three more seconds before you exited, I think that may give off what we're going for. Just a little more specificity. Let's see, what else?
1: I asked the questions around here. Well, no, and,
0: and no. Then, there are oh. t- <laughs> then there are directors <laughs> that, that want to be better, right? So let's go watch shows. Oh, that show was so good. It moved me. Being able to break down why a show was good is very important. People coming out of an, an auditorium in tears, because they were moved what specifically happened in that production what did the actors or directors do oh they just told the story yeah they told the story what did they specifically do so that you can take those skills and transfer them into your department Todd London wrote an article what we talk about when we talk about good right? some people just say did you like it was it any good yes or no there's the why that's missing, yeah. right? Because I think I can find something good in almost any show, and I can tell you why it was good. Even if it's a show that no one liked, I can tell you why it was good. Right. Did it set out to achieve its goals and, and things like that. So,
1: What direction is UIL One Act Play headed, and what direction should it be headed?
0: You know, I've in a short amount of time, it's evolved tremendously. I think it's moving in a positive direction. So let me start by saying that. And I'm representing Philip Taylor, not a school district here. Right. I'm not representing UIL. I'm not even representing Tatao, Judges Organization. Just as a fan of UIL. I think it's headed in a great direction. It's just got some challenges, right? We've got small schools and large schools. Working in a small school and a large school. I've been on both ends of that where the rules keep evolving, and we can add two more directors or three more directors. These districts have five, and I've got that in Austin. We've got a school that has five directors, a 6A school, but there, there's also another 6A school across the state with one that even if they wanted a, another director, they can't right. add that director. So that's going to be a constant challenge for UIL is to somehow satisfy the de- The demands that large schools have and small schools and the the limitations of small schools like if these rules keep changing and we can add more lights and more sound and I taught in Rogers, Texas and my first one act play cost $175 that went to state. Like I I don't know if I can compete technically with some of the projections a neighboring Mm -hmm. school has or. And it's not even about all of that, but that's something that UIL always has to keep in mind right. is that sort of equity piece there. Uh, I think the next steps for UIL, not that I'm advocating for this yet, but are to increase participation. Every year, UIL's done a great job of increasing the number of schools that participate in the one-act play contest. However, I, I judged a by district last year with four schools in an urban school district. So I think that's a, a unique challenge that needs to be addressed is and maybe some you know some investigating needs to happen and some collection of data as to why these schools are not participating and what UIL can do to support those schools. What are those principals saying? Are they saying we can't the buses cost too much, then y'all have got scripts and you've got royalties yeah. and you've got costumes and my kids are waiting find out the information that's missing to get those schools participating in some of our urban school districts. How can we make the contest more user-friendly for increased participation in those schools? Additionally, I'm seeing in, in one-act play just as a fan, I'm seeing an increase in a focus on tech, technical theater, and that's that's encouraging. Yeah, You know, that's exciting to see some of the amazing things that people are doing.
1: Should it become more of a factor? A deciding factor?
0: That's a tricky question. Uh, initially, no. That's my that's response. That's my response is that no, it should not. That forty percent is technical theater.
1: Is it good enough? Yeah.
0: Because some shows are very limited in what you should be doing with technical theater. You know, there are some shows you're, you, know, you may not want to see a, a, a style or concept just as a preference. Sort of imposed, that kind of veers away from the author's intent, and the focus becomes on that, and it shadows the story, overshadows the story. So we just have to be mindful to balance technical theater. So
1: here, here's the if we're gonna make football analogies, right? Here's here's what I, the analogy I would make, because there are some shows in this world, and mind you, these are all these examples are musicals. You don't go see, you don't go see Phantom of the Opera because the Phantom's probably an amazing actor you know they're a good singer great but it's technically stunning Miss Saigon technically stunning Lion King was technically stunning so people go see Lion King because of that those kind of things maybe right? your friends your yeah, technical sure, theater sure, friends sure. yes yes maybe I do go for friend. that well who's starring in Lion King right now
0: I did audition
1: <laughs> I did okay. audition but my point is is there are shows that you go see because their technically or design elements are stunning. You go see Julie Taymor shows. Spider-Man, you know, bombed. Was a great show. Was a, was, yeah, the script wasn't bad. But people were going to see it initially because it was Spider-Man. The spectacle was the attraction. I loved it.
0: I saw it. I saw little kids. Did you legit? I saw yeah. it in New York. I saw boys and their fathers... Dressed up, yeah, and it was a whole new audience. So, you through the your mask, you could see that, <laughs> thank you. Because I, yes, I was dressed up, you were there. Uh, but to see those audience members walk in that's sure. back to that Todd London article. What we talk about when we talk about good, what was the purpose of that, and why wasn't it successful? Well, well safety, maybe it was well, Spider Man wasn't well, okay because of safety, it, but, of yeah. safety right? Yeah. But people kept saying it's an amusement park show, so what, yeah. Oh well, sure. At one point, we decided to do musicals, and that was kind of off the wall. Yeah. This convention we created.
1: But but my point to going back to the point was, oh, fine. If if tech theater, I'm not trying to. I'm just playing devil's advocate a little bit. But if tech theater's importance isn't equal to the acting directing, then wouldn't you say analogy wise, that defense is not important as offense? Or vice versa, you you know you're giving more emphasis on one when when they both should kind of be given equal love. They sure. should be. They it's aren't, but they should be.
0: We're going back and forth. This is great. As a former successful <laughs> football player, yeah. yeah, they although defense and offense make up your team, they operate independently. Sure. Right. Yeah. And I think that acting and technical theater operate. Together. Together. They're more cohesive. Okay. Right. That's, so once they support each other at the same time, not on and off, right? So, look, and here's the other thing. What about, about it. in
1: basketball? Here, well, here's, Fine, we'll
0: go. <laughs> here's the other thing. Yeah. Here's the other thing about it, yeah. Mr. Miner. Just a little <laughs> bit of wisdom for you. Yep. Yeah. We may go see those musicals for those very reasons you're talking about. They're stunning, and they have cool effects, but if... You don't hear anything from my podcast today. (laughs) Hear this. My words. Texas UIL one-act play is its own genre of theater. It's its own genre of theater. Just like musicals or commedia is a genre... Texas one act play UIL one act play I believe is its own genre of theater. Yeah, and the trends change, the set designs change, ladders come and go, window frames come and go, projections come, and black gone, and white yeah. or grayscale come <laughs> and go. But it's its own genre, and you don't sort of see that evolution happening in football, other than you know, we're going to run the spread the run and shoot, or we're, yeah, check party. Yeah, or we're gonna do the wing, <laughs> wing tee. Or, you know, you, you those yeah, games,
1: not the same, yeah. those
0: sports, they are timeless.
1: Yeah,
0: most of the rules are still the same. The dimensions of each field in football are the exact same, or should be. Right, it that contest doesn't evolve. And, but UIL one Act plays its own genre and. It, in that regard, I think that there has to be this idea of putting acting with a little more weight than technical theater. Now, in another contest where they break that up, like Tommy Toon Awards or the Gastma Awards in Austin, yeah,
1: greater Austin, yeah. you can
0: still win those technical awards and not have best show. Sure. It's just how I feel. The Babers. I'm not familiar with yeah. Is that something? I, oh, I forgot. I started the paper Awards yeah, several years yeah, ago. Yeah, Taylor did. And <laughs> yeah. I think they gave Blake minor credit the next year.
1: The, the Barbers.
0: Minor wisdom. Uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what is a must-have strength for a new
0: teacher? It's going to be planning, Okay. but being flexible, okay. right? That's the greatest weakness of some directors. Yeah. They're not program managers. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, in that classroom, we also want to see new teachers Incorporate technology. And you're yep. gonna, I mean, your, principals say that about math. Not, they say that for everyone. But come on in with a game plan on how to use technology incorporated in your classroom because it's 2019.
1: What's a less obvious common weakness amongst new teachers? So and, and an obvious one is they don't know how to plan. They don't how obvious, plan. You know a plan. They
0: don't have any curriculum. Uh, right? Or they
1: get overwhelmed with classroom management. Those are obvious ones. But what's, what's one that you have found that you've had to... Address. Sort of address and, and well, you stole my coach. answer.
0: Organization and planning, but something that <laughs> something that seasoned teachers have that sometimes new teachers don't would be, and directors that they need to know how to advocate for their program. Oftentimes, they're going to be the only ones on their campus. And in my case, there weren't even choir teachers in Rogers. I mean, it was I need to advocate for my program and sort of balance the politics of the schools, knowing what battles to pick, yeah. and not always you know, accepting no as an answer or finding ways to grow your program. Additionally, new teachers and directors do not know how to set goals for their program, not just for their classroom. They're going to have instructional goals on wanting to increase engagement, but actual goals for their program. And this is, you know, something new that I think your district is doing. Actually, I know they're doing. <laughs> but that's that's what I did when I went to Rogers. I think I had three or four theater classes, two speech classes, and a debate class. And I said, when I leave here, I would like to teach theater all day. So I set that as a goal. And then I worked my way backwards. I said, well, what, what are the steps to get there? I'm not going to complain on Facebook and say my principal won't let me have a full day of theater or a second theater teacher, what are you doing? So I started the first middle school one-act play after school for free because I knew if I could get those kids excited, this is the first one they've ever done. If I get those kids excited about theater, maybe they'll sign up their freshman year. Mm -hmm. And they did. So I went from four to five the next year. And the middle school principal said, you know, you, you did that one-act play with our kiddos. Are you going to do that again next year? I said, I just don't think I can. I won't have the time. It's, you know, it's a lot of time, and I did it for free. Well, what if we gave you 500 bucks? I said, I really would like to have it in a class period. Right? I really want it in the class period. Oh, OK, we'll, we'll make that happen. So you, you're willing to come over to the middle school and teach two classes? I said, you know, but I've got two speech classes. I've got two speech classes. And there's someone on this this campus that can take those speech classes. So within two years, I was teaching theater all day. And that second middle school theater class went down to one, and it was jam-packed because I had six high school theater classes. Keep in mind, that's a school with about 50 to 60 kids per graduating class. So you're talking about less than 300 students in the school and 200 Plus, we're in theater. Almost every kid, right? Which is larger than a lot of 5A or 6A schools. So I set those goals as a program manager. And that's missing. That's missing from new teachers. That's missing from new directors. And they want their programs to grow and flourish, but they're not taking incremental steps or making those sacrifices they need and offering up a solution. Principals want you to be successful, but you need to solve the problem for them. They can't just give you stuff, okay. Yeah. Ice cream socials, whatever, to recruit and retain students. Make your department the place to be, if that's what your goal is. But have goals. Collect data when you get there. You know what what was done before you got there. What did people like? What were their favorite shows? So you can build up that community rapport, and then go from there. That's how I feel. Do I do I sound too passionate about no, it? No. <laughs> Not at all. Do I sound like I missed so the class? I'm going to ask
1: you a fun question.
0: Oh, that's not allowed.
1: It's not on there. What was your favorite when a quarterback came into the huddle?
0: Wait, what, what, what were you? Whoa, whoa. Yeah. I was a high school student.
1: No, what are you getting what, at here? What what, uh, what position did you play?
0: Uh, so I played, I was a flex player shot. And sometimes I was a running back. Sometimes okay. I was a slot receiver on offense. And then I was the strong and free safety on defense. Okay. Starting as a freshman go ahead so so what was
1: on offense nobody cares about defense what was the uh the play that when the quarterback called it you got you were excited about it
0: the plays that were named after me (laughs) you joke but uh so my my middle name is jared and there's this a mentor in in the community calvin who's great he's like he can't pronounce my middle name he's like Philip Gerard, Taylor. I'm like, it's it's Jared or Gerard, <laughs> but not Gerard. Yeah. So every time he saw me, he'd go, hey, Gerard, come here, come here, Rorty. And so the coaches caught on to that, and they called several plays the Rorty. We're going to run the Rorty to the right or the Rorty to the left. Uh, and that meant that I was going to be a slot receiver, wait about a three count, and sneak right Behind the line of scrimmage, and it was going to be a shovel pass. I could either be, I could either burst for a touchdown, and I can share that video for you, or I could be de- <laughs> de-cleated, de-cleated by a defensive end.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I got excited for that as a running back. Any sort of counter play, to the yeah, any counter play because we had some stellar linemen that were quick. Yeah, I love, I love, I love counters, or any, any slant route as a receiver.
1: So thanks again to Mr. Philip Taylor. I appreciate it. We're going to sit down again at some point and discuss more about not just UIL, but high school theater, educational theater, middle school theater. The man is in charge of music in Austin now, so maybe he's going to have some new perspective on how all of that works. Thank you so much. This uh, curtain call coming up is going to sound oddly like sexy. Uh, When I listened back to it, it was like, man, this this is weird. But keep in mind, both Mandy and I recorded this while late, like probably 10 o'clock at night. Our families are asleep, our kids are asleep, so we're talking real quiet. We're talking real quiet. And I asked Mandy, what are the top three inventions for theater? Not just for theater, but maybe contributions for theater. Enjoy.
0: Curtain call. Spike tape.
1: Spike, spike tape, okay. I mean,
0: that's...
1: Necessary for our world. Sure. Um, UIL set. You, okay, so Texas theater. <laughs> hey, I mean we are a gigantic state. Um, what else? You tell me one. I mean, I was I was thinking more along the lines of like I don't know electricity, um, but that's not exclusive. I know, but I was going along the like a, a source for. Or, uh, okay. you know, I think Well, Gaff- you're thinking like from the beginning of time, yes Well, yeah, I'm not, I mean Hey, some would say Palco was there at the beginning of time, but um, Yeah, I mean, contributions to Texas high school theater, sure UIL I was thinking unit small set. box, I
0: wasn't <laughs> thinking big box
1: Okay, so the small box, what do you think the top com- contributions are in high school theater. There you go. UIL set. I already said two. Spike, yeah. tape. spike tape. and UIL unit set. set. Unit set. Yeah. Um, that's it. That's it. <laughs> wow. Okay, so spike. So, so if you didn't have spike tape or a unit set, what would you be doing with your theater department? Ladders. I'm just <laughs> ladders, ladders. So that's the that's. Do still you remember
0: a, the year of ladders, or
1: no one needs a unit set? Everybody used ladders. Yeah, well, the, every every year, I'm convinced that every year there's a formula for, like, somebody has come up with a formula for one act play, and so right. if this year you have X, Y, and Z, it you're clearly advancing. Uh right. I think I said this earlier maybe on the podcast or something but i went to watch state one year no 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 i was on the uh the faculty or teacher crew crew, whatever it's called Mm -hmm. and i'm on the i'm doing the fly system i'm on the fly rail so i'm i can see all these shows but i can't really hear all the shows too well but i'm seeing i'm seeing half naked boys and i'm seeing people oh, yeah. backstage with drums like big drums like Drums and, and naked boys and so that that year i swear at least at the 6 and 5a level there were at least half the shows at each level had topless men and drums and so
0: well, I was, this year it'll be it'll be the year of fabric Minor